0: 630 chad inside sports with reed wilkins weekdays at six on 630 chad now through the neutral zone comes connor mcdavid double team got it back Chris shot score what a beautiful move
1: deep back hand went back to the forehand and welcome back connor his sixth goal of the season is a work of art riley he's gonna keep it he hits the five hey edmonton that's your quarterback mike riley the
2: down Eskimos, ladies and gentlemen, Dagger!
0: Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite team. Now, inside sports with Reed Wilkins. On the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 630 Chet.
1: Welcome to the weekend, everybody. The Friday night edition of Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Start the party right here. Or perhaps a quiet weekend of reflection. Whatever your choice. Thanks for starting it with Old Wilkie on 630 Chet. It's 6.06. Here's what's happening in the NHL tonight. The Lightning lead the Red Wings one nothing after the first period. Kucherov the goal in that game. He already has three in the playoffs. How about Riley Smith? Another goal for Florida. They're up 1-0 on the Islanders. Five and a half minutes left in the first period there. Still to come, the Blackhawks will play the Blues. Actually, that one is starting in a second. And at 8.30 tonight, Nashville at Anaheim. That's game one of that series. The Blue Jays at Fenway and they are trailing 4-1 middle of the third inning. I can tell you the Bentley Generals have advanced to the Allen Cup Final. They beat Shelbrook in a semifinal this afternoon, 3-1. Grand Falls and Windsor will play in the other semifinal. How are you doing tonight? Reed Wilkins with you, 607 Inside Sports on 630 Ched. As always, you can text 630-630 if you would like to get a hold of me or you just have a thought or an amusing story you'd like to share. The phone number is 780 I have a texter here saying, tell Reed I heard his auto-tune interview on Calgary Radio earlier today. It was awesome. Well, I appreciate that, though, unintentionally. I was on with Pat Steinberg, host of Flames Hockey, doing a little uh, Oilers chat on his show, and apparently for the first portion of the interview, I sounded like I was on auto-tune, just the way the cell was coming through. Could I don't know, Kellen, if we could make this microphone sound like auto-tune. I don't think we have that capability.
0: I, I don't think so, Reid, but uh, you were talking about uh, Riley Smith getting the uh, first goal it. in Game 2. I have it right now. You want to hear it? And it's poked away from Coolman by Branson. Now Hubido back up the left-wing side, puts one
2: out in front, back in, Johnson, in the rebound, they stole! Riley Smith follows it up
1: At home, and the Panthers have a 1-0 lead. There we go. There we go. On-demand audio. Uh, what, now, what game do you have all on in there, Kellen? We have to make sure we're not watching the same game. I got the uh, CBC feed on, so I got Detroit
0: and Tampa Bay on right
1: now. All right, I will have Florida on the and the Islanders on. Okay, a series that interests me probably more than most people because I find Florida to be kind of an interesting team. Yeah, they're they're
0: they're my dark horse to make the Cup final. I have right. them as my bracket as the East champs. So.
1: Oh, you filled out a bracket?
0: I did. Yeah. Oh well, wow! Well, in a contest, like for money? Uh, no, just the on the NHL website. They had that thing for you can win a TV or something if you're correct or whatever. Never you can seen. win a
1: black and white television. Yeah. Maybe they could. somebody could win the TV that's in here so we could get a new one. Ooh. So we could get rid of the 12-inch black and white in the 630 Chet Studio. Exactly. And get an actual TV. That's
0: like a 78 realistic TV, isn't <laughs> it? I think. Yeah, I think so. I don't yeah. even think there it's is a Radio those, Shack anymore. It's one anymore. of those
1: made-up companies It's <laughs> like, what? What is this? You know, like, uh, Globotron. VoodooVox or something like yeah. that. So... Uh, Yeah, we'll keep an eye on the NHL playoffs obviously tonight. We'll keep you updated. We're with you until 9 o'clock. Our guests will include: we're going to have Gord Wilson, radio analyst for the Ottawa Senators, on the show. This will be our final stop in the coast-to-coast no-Canadian playoff tour. We've hit every other city and uh, looked at what went wrong and where these teams are headed. Gord Wilson. Covering the Ottawa Senators, a team that made a miraculous run to make the playoffs this year and just never really, or last year, never really put it together this year. Jack Michaels is going to drop by tonight. Always fun to have him on the show, play-by-play voice for your Edmonton Oilers. You will meet Jeremy Behrens. He plays for the Huntsville Havoc in the Southern Professional Hockey League. He is this week's feature. In Living the Dream, a regular segment, we bring you a player from Northern Alberta playing in a league other than the NHL. You're going to like Jeremy, I think, in the SPHL regular season. They just started their playoffs last night. His team lost, and they're down 1-0 in their series. In the regular season this year, Jeremy played 53 games. He had 30 fights and 275 penalty minutes. Morley Scott will tee up the Eskimo show on Sunday. John Stanton from The Running Room is going to be in studio at 8.30. Always good to catch up with John, especially as we get into a uh, new year of outdoor activity. So I just I just want to uh, sort of wrap up some of the... Alan Cup stuff uh, from yesterday because uh, you know I I believe that Ched was was right on top of that story and and I think had some details before before uh, any other outlet in the country. So, to to sum up what happened, the the sha- and you know what I'm and I'm curious what what you guys think because I'm sure a lot of you are or have been minor hockey parents or you've been involved in senior hockey or maybe you're rec league and there are always going to be player eligibility issues players move around you know whether it's kids whether it's adults and there has to be roster rules there there has to be and I'm wondering how strictly you apply them in your association and what you would have done In this situation with the Allen Cup. Which I still consider a pretty important. And fun tournament. Um, It's certainly not what it used to be. And I think events like yesterday and today. Don't help. But just to recap what happened. The uh, Shane team. Which is in Manitoba. There was some sort of a protest from someone. I I haven't been able to nail down who that was. Um, But. Somebody realized they had used uh, an illegal roster in their first two games. Each team can use six imports in a game. You can have more than six imports on your roster, but you can't dress more than six for a game. They had gone with seven in the round robin. They went one and one. This was pointed out. Their game was delayed. There was a meeting with uh, provincial officials with Hockey Canada. The options considered were throwing Yoldeshein out of the tournament, or letting them continue, but with an 0-2 record instead of 1-1, which would affect the seeding, which would affect who they played in the quarterfinals. So this meeting took place, they forfeited, it changed the seedings, it had already delayed the game that was supposed to start at 4 o'clock central time. It was eventually played at 8. The other game was played at 10.30 at night. That doesn't look good on the tournament. Uh, Ilda Shane lost today to the Southeast Prairie Thunder, who are the hosts and I think the favorites from what I'm hearing. So uh, so Ilda Shane's out. Uh, well, maybe they're not the favorites, but they're a pretty good team. So I'm, you know, I guess the question is, if you're in that meeting, which way are you voting? How strict are you going to be about enforcing that rule? And I guess my thing is, by the time you reach the national championship, my goodness, somebody triple and quadruple checked the roster. Yilda Shane should have done it. Hockey Manitoba should have done it. And I mean, I'm hearing it was a clerical error by Hockey Manitoba, which I, I don't know if that makes this any better or forgivable, because I would think Yilda Shane should know who's on their roster and, and their eligibility status. And then you would think Hockey Canada itself would take this tournament seriously enough um, to, uh, you know, to maybe look at the rosters themselves. I guess that didn't happen. And and then you get into a situation where you're rearranging games at, at the quarterfinal stage of the tournament. And unfortunately, that's probably what a lot of you are going to remember. Hey, was, was that the Allen Cup that one year? They played a playoff game at 11 at night? That's probably in three years what you're going to be saying. And, that, and that's unfortunate. Um, so this all went down, and it's, it's just unfortunate the way it reflects and how it affected the flow of the tournament and the teams involved and all that kind of stuff and, and what the tournament's going to be remembered for. And it, it is, first of all, I will say this. There's the question of was the, was the punishment for the rule – Right. That's, that's one thing. I mean, I, and I guess the third option is, what have you done nothing about it? Throw them out of the tournament, have them forfeit the games, or just say it's too late, the games have been played, the seedings are set, fans are here to watch a game at four, let's play. Those were, I guess those were the three options. The other thing is the rule itself that maybe needs modification, and, and I hope it gets looked at if Hockey Canada takes it seriously to look, seriously enough to look at it. If you are an import in senior hockey, if you last played amateur hockey in another province. Okay? Here's but here's a funny example. Let's say Kellen, I run a senior hockey team, the Edmonton Animals, for lack of a better name. Okay. I run the Edmonton Animals and we're going to I say okay, we're going to compete for the Allen Cup, I'm putting together a team of guys, okay? And you're a really good player. How old are you? 28? 30. You're 30. Okay, whatever. So say you're 30. So you're, you're still a really good hockey player for, this, for the senior men's level, and I want you on my team. And, you're, and you've lived in Edmonton since you were 20 years old, say. Okay? And your last amateur team was the North Battleford North Stars. You played in the SJHL. Okay. 10 years ago as a 20-year-old. You are an import. So it's an odd rule. It doesn't always apply to where a guy has lived for the last few years or is living, but that's how they've set up the rule. In Ilda Shane's case, Kenora, Ontario, which is only a couple hours east of Ilda Shane, had a senior men's team. They didn't this year, so they had Kenora players join Ilda Shane. They would count as imports, and they used too many of them in a game. Now, is... Is the rule meant to punish guys whose team no longer exists? Unfortunately, it isn't, but it's still there, and everybody should know about it, and apparently they didn't. 780 496 0063. You can also text 630 630. Reed Wilkins with you, Inside Sports on 630 Ched. It is 617. Your
0: home- for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630
1: Chad. Well, Mike Gabinette is moving on after coaching the Nate men's hockey team to an undefeated season. 36-0 in an ACAC championship. Gabinette now becoming an assistant coach with the University of Nebraska Omaha. He played there about a decade ago. So, Good opportunity for uh, Gabinette. We'll try to get him on the show next week. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. It is 621. Uh, Texts coming in to 630, 630. This individual says, I guess the thing that bugs me most about this Allen Cup situation is that there doesn't appear to be a hard and fast rule for a violation of this type. There probably should be so that there is no room for interpretation when a situation like this occurs. Yeah, you know, I, I think, I mean, like I said, the, the, the forfeiture of games is, is I think, the standard. Um, you know, I know a couple people on Twitter pointed out to me, uh, one of them quite angrily, uh, <laughs> that I was going overboard in, in calling for Yolda Shane's dismissal from the tournament. You know, fair enough. But it's not, I mean, it has happened before. I mean, the Bentley Generals this year, in the Chinook League had two games where they wound up using an ineligible player, and they had to forfeit those games. So forfeiture has happened in the past. I guess I have higher standards for the National Championship Tournament, and and like I said, the rosters should be in place, they should be validated, and they should be valid, and you should know that going in. And, you know, if, it, if a team I mean, here's the thing, if if everything, if everybody knew everything ahead of time and everything had been checked, as soon as Zilda Shane fills up that lineup card before the game, somebody could have caught it and said, all right, you've listed this guy on your lineup card. You've handed it in and signed it. He can't play. You play with 19 men as opposed to getting to the point where you have to talk about forfeiting games. But, uh, you know, I... <laughs> I, I, I got a buddy who lives in Calgary and his kids play minor hockey and he deals with player eligibility and kids wanting to play up or down a division or you know move to a new team. So I'm, I'm sure I'm sure many of you have dealt with this on some sort of a level. It's unfortunate it's marred uh, the Allen Cup this week. but Bentley did win today 3-1 over Shelbrook there in the final tomorrow. All right. The phone number, by the way, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Jack Michaels, Gord Wilson, coming up over the next uh, sixty-five minutes or so. You know, I was thinking, Kellen. I don't know if you remember this. Before the season, mm-hmm. when we did our preseason picks, yeah. Jack Michaels picked Benoit Pouliot to be the Oilers' leading goal scorer. Right.
0: I recall that. Yep.
1: He was. Uh, he obviously was not. Hmm didn't have a great shot at it because his career is uh, he was uh, shortened by injuries. Mm-hmm. Pouliot as an oiler in two years has 19 goals in 58 games. That was last year career high 19 goals. Mm-hmm. He had 14 goals in 55 games this year. Hmm. So on pace to get over 20. Yeah. On pace big deal. If you don't play the games you can't get it done. Pouliot to me is an interesting figure. As an Edmonton oiler he has played more than any other seasons in his career except for one year in Montreal. He's played 16.37 per game and 16.03. His career average, 13.5 minutes. So he's playing three more minutes per game as an Oiler than he has anywhere else. Now is that because he's playing better or because the Oilers don't have the roster that some of the other teams he's been on have had and he's had to play more? Great question. He's got a good shooting percentage for his career, 13.5%. He's been able to be right around there most years. The Oilers have Pouliot for three more years at $4 million a year. When we talked about the injuries that affected the Oilers throughout the season, it seems to me we didn't talk about Pouliot as much. But I got to thinking about this. We never saw Pouliot and Maroon and Hall all in the lineup at the same time, down the left side. Assuming the Oilers keep Taylor Hall, are Pugliot and Maroon adequate options to be in the middle six? Maybe swapping back and forth between second and third line, depending on who's going better at the time. I, I think we kind of know what Pugliot is at this point in his career and this point of his, in his life. I don't know if he's going to change much. He's an inconsistent player, he's prone to foolish penalties. Even as he's gotten older, I don't think he's totally worked those out of his game. Um, but he can certainly contribute. Now, I know you know there was a texter last night saying you have to trade Pouliot's contract to clear up space. Three more years at four million dollars a year. Are you, A are you going to get a lot for Pouliot in return? I would say likely not. And B is that really a crippling cap number for what he brings? Eh, probably not. I don't know if he's quite worth the expense, but you got him as a free agent, and you got to overpay. And the analytics guys, whether you're into this or not, love Benoit Pouliot on a team with poor Corsi, and the and the benchmark for an average Corsi is 50%. He's been 50.7% and 51.9 as an Oiler. His career is 52.1. Again, you know, we talked a lot about seeing the Oilers line up with all three centers. How would it look? How would it have looked after the Maroon acquisition with all three left wingers? Maybe a little better. Maybe a little more depth there. You can text 630-630. We will go to Ottawa and break down how the Sens broke down with Gord Wilson when we get back.
3: This is Mike Riley from Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Erickson, long lead pass intended for Larkin. Now he gets his own rebound, fired the shot, he scores! Larkin shot the puck from center. He outraced his man, the rebound came off the end board right to him in front. He got the shot
1: away, beat Bishop along the ice to tie the game at one. All right, that's the latest scoring in Tampa. Red Wings and Lightning 1-1. About six minutes into the second period. Blackhawks and Blues are underway. No score seven minutes in. Panthers, after the first period, leading the Islanders 1-0. Predators and Ducks, game one of that series a little bit later on. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. You can uh, text us at 630 630-630. Uh, This texture says, Benoit Pouliot, hello, he's French, comes with a part-time parachute and takes bad penalties when his blood runs hot. Still a good player at his contract. Okay, well, fair enough, unnamed texture. Summing up uh, Benoit Pouliot, then apparently all French-Canadian players in one broad stroke. The Oilers, of course, not in the playoffs. A little more Oilers talk coming up with Jack Michaels between 7 and 7.30. The playoffs, no Canadian teams, though teams like Ottawa made it last year. Now they are out, and of course, uh, they are changing their coaches. Uh, Dave Cameron, who was, uh, was reacting to Eugene Melnick's criticism, Well, trust me, he was, Kellen, but my computer froze up.
0: Well, I think what we'll got lost go. in the comments is that, is that, you know, you can evaluate me all my wand and my coaching and fire me. I understand all that. There's no need of being, being hurtful.
2: We're human beings at the end of the day.
1: All right, so uh, Cameron spoke yesterday. We are speaking today with Senator's radio analyst, Gord Wilson. Gord, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
2: Well, I'm just fine, thank you. Lots of time on my hands, so I'm just making a list of things to do for the next five
1: months. Organize that drawer, buddy. You can probably do it three times over. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, well, just before we uh, we started off air here, I was saying that... Uh, I don't know if this is, is good or bad that, that Ottawa is the final stop on our cross-Canada non-playoff tour. I don't know if you're like the closing act or this is the encore. <laughs> but uh, this... What are
2: you calling this tour, by the way? We all suck tour?
1: Or... Yeah, I'm just thinking of calling it the Canadian Misery Tour. Get oh, some T-shirts That's made. a little
2: more coffee, yes. I, I don't mind that.
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> you know what? It's, it's funny because... The Senators actually were having a kind of a miserable season last year until about the last third and then mm-hmm. uh, I guess maybe I mean were they were they kind of hoping waiting to catch fire again this year and it just it was those formulas that was impossible to repeat?
2: You know, you know what, Reed, it's funny because they all talked about, the players talked about at the beginning of the season not wanting to have to try and go on a run like they went on last year, and that run of, what was it, 21-3, and 3, something like that, was described by many as a miracle run, and I don't think there's any question it was just that. Uh, it may never, ever be duplicated again, the the way the Senators were able to overcome a 14-point deficit in early February. and Uh, make the playoffs last year and right to a man at the beginning of the season and certainly in early October and November uh, the players all continued to say we do not want to try to or we don't want to have to try and go on a run like we did last year so we've got to find some consistency and unfortunately for the hockey club early on um, the consistency Uh, showed up in the form of inconsistency. It was win one, lose one, win two, lose three, lose three, win one. They just could not get any traction off a couple of wins in a row. And as a result, um, they struggled uh, through much of the season and uh, beyond. And uh, obviously when you're a sub or when you're just an above 500 hockey club, it's not likely you're going to make the playoffs. And that's what the Senators were pretty much most of the season.
1: Well, it's funny just looking at the two matchups between the Oilers and the Senators this season because they were just about two and a half weeks apart mm-hmm. uh, with the road team pretty much dominating both games. And, and I mean, I thought the Oilers game against Ottawa on February 23rd here in Edmonton was probably one of the Oilers' five worst games of the year. Yeah. You would probably say the same about the Senators in, in the game. They lost 7-2 to Edmonton on February 4th.
2: Yeah, it's funny, because, and I don't have the schedule in front of me. I apologize for that. But that 7-2 loss on home ice was uh, how many of us were describing where Rock met bottom uh, for the Ottawa Senators because I think they, prior to that, and I could be wrong in this, but I'm fairly certain they had strung together a couple of wins. And then um, Edmonton comes to town, and um, the Ottawa starting goaltender gets chased from the hockey game. Senators come back to make it a 3-2 game, and they had some momentum on their side, and Andrew Hammond came in, and this really, to me, and I'm flashing back here now, because to me, Otto made it 3-2 in that hockey game, and I thought, boy, they're going to score again here because Hammond has made a couple of saves, and maybe this is the start of something interesting. Well, then all of a sudden, Andrew Hammond gave up a terrible goal to I believe Zach Cassian if I'm not mistaken and and I mean it was an awful goal and it was a deflating goal and it was a goal almost typical of his season and it was 4-2 at that point and lights out and done like dinner and that sort of summed up the season for the Senators and I think they they came back with another victory after that they went out west and had a little bit of success but they They were leading going into the third period against Vancouver as well after uh, the win against Edmonton, and then lost it. And um, they needed the win to keep pace with everybody else in the East, and they didn't get it came back and scored a win against Calgary, but they did it in an unorthodox way. They were down 4-2 going into the third Mika Abanajad scored a hat-trick uh, in record time, and they won it, but they didn't feel good about the win. And uh, as a result, uh, they would not feel good about the rest of the season.
1: Yeah. Senators analyst Gord Wilson joining us tonight inside sports. On 6.30, Chet, so obviously there's a a coaching change. Uh, Well, half of it has happened, I guess, uh, with the Ottawa Senators. And and maybe we knew this was coming given that the owner of the team uh, was extremely critical in the third week of March. He, He even labeled the decision to start Matt O'Connor in the home opener, stupidity. And uh, Dave Cameron has since come out and said he kind of felt like he was fired every day after that for three weeks. A bit of yeah. a uh, soap opera-like uh, situation. And and maybe, uh, yeah, it was dead man walking for Cameron over that final stretch of the season.
2: Yeah, it was. And, uh, you know, uh, as disappointing as that was and tough on Dave Cameron, I think uh, he could take solace in the fact that his players had his back and his players played well down the stretch. And uh, while they, at the time of the owner's comments, I think at the time had been eliminated or were very close to being eliminated from postseason play, the team played well. Uh, for Dave, and that's a credit to the players, and it's a credit to Dave Cameron and how the players uh, did respect him. And the, I mean, I think the last thing the players wanted to have happen was a coaching change. They needed some tweaks, a head coaching change, I should say. Um, certainly, all the players I talked to just felt that uh, they were ready to own up on this one, and uh, it was unfortunate. Uh, but uh, owner's decision, management's decision to say, let's make a change here. We didn't like the direction that the team was going in. Uh, second year in a row, I think they'd given up most shots per game. Their defensive zone coverage had not gotten any better, and uh, whether that scheme, system, or just the players tuning out, I'm not sure. Uh, unfortunately for the hockey club, and a- every player will tell you, it's a lot of fun to score goals. And unfortunately for the hockey club, unfortunately unfortunately, but I'll go on the unfortunate route here, uh, this team never left the top 10 in scoring in the NHL. I think they did one day, and it was the second-to-last day of the season on the Friday night. Then they scored six in Boston right. the next day and get up to the top 10. So they finished top 10 in scoring, and that might have been, um, that, 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 as dumb as it sounds, it was probably um, one of the worst things that could happen because they focused so much. On having the doing the fun things and scoring goals, and they limited their want and desire to play defense, and it showed. It certainly showed. They gave up more shots. They were dead last, or close to dead last, in the PK, and close to dead last in the penalty kill. And uh, I mean, when you have those statistics, they're not so flattering for a coach.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, I hear what you're saying there. I want to ask you about a couple guys in particular? It was big news when Dion Phaneuf was traded to the Ottawa Senators. He certainly had his detractors during his time in Toronto, whether those uh, criticisms were fair or not. How do you found he fit in with the Senators?
2: Absolutely, in spectacular fashion, and um, it shocked me, to be very honest with you. Uh, the one thing that I had heard about Dion coming in, and believe you me, when you're somebody who's covered the team, its entire existence, and seen so many playoff disappointments against the Toronto Maple Leafs, whether you're an unbiased broadcaster or not which I'm not um, <laughs> it's, it, it, it's tough to like teams or people from uh, players from other organizations and Dion was certainly on the hate list of a lot of people here in Ottawa and probably mine included um, it, it was it was it, I mean I hate is part of hockey and it's all fun I say it um, I, I don't say it that word in a bad way because hate is part of hockey you like to hate people you like to hate teams and while you like to play them you like to hate as much and Dion was one of those players he was from the Toronto Maple Leafs and you just hated him well he comes to Ottawa and the first word you hear out of everybody's mouth in describing him is respect respect for the game and respect for those in the game and I'm a big fan and believer in that philosophy and um he certainly showed it upon arrival, upon minutes of his arrival. Very respectful to all of us and, more importantly, respectful to enter a locker room where he was not the big fish and he took a back seat to Eric Carlson and company and was more than willing to do that. But at the same time, Reid, he was also more than willing to impart wisdom. And, I mean, he's been around for a long time. Over 700 games in the NHL was a huge plus to the Ottawa locker room uh, as an unbiased broadcaster i can't wait to see what the team can do with him on the back end for a full season
1: all right and i gotta ask you about curtis lazar who uh remains still pretty popular in edmonton because of his tenure as uh, an edmonton oil king he's uh you know past that rookie stage easing into uh becoming a regular how were his contributions this year
2: well, they were up and down, and uh, he'd be the first to admit that he did. In his exit meetings, that he needs to score more, he needs to uh, start producing a little bit more. One of the things that helped Curtis along this past year, in the last third of the season, was the fact that he got to play his natural position, and 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 he spoke up, and he said, "This is where I want to play." This, uh, you know, in the first two thirds of the season, um, he bounced around from left wing fourth line left winger to second linerman to first line right winger he played everywhere on in the lineup and I don't think he was well it's pretty obvious that he wasn't very comfortable in doing so he became that much more comfortable when he settled in in a a third or fourth line centerman's role um, and it showed Um, his legs came back to him after the all-star break and um, while he was hampered by a bit of a groin injury I think the last week to 10 days Um, His play was outstanding down the stretch. He's a smart, intelligent player. Um, He's a physical player that they need. He's a coachable player that they need. Um, And um, if they stick him at center and leave him at center, they're going to get more production out of him. I'm pretty sure of that.
1: All right. Well, hopefully uh, things uh, keep moving up for that young man. Gord, I'll let you get back to work, whatever that entails today.
2: Well, Reed, it's funny that you should ask because I just opened a Corona and it's been sitting idly in front of me, so I do have to go. But thank you for having me, and um, I look forward to our next chat, likely around draft time when the Senators have hired a new coach.
1: Sounds like a great plan, Gort. That's Gord Wilson, radio analyst for the Ottawa Senators, checking in on Inside Sports tonight. So there it is, the misery tour, as we've now called it. We've done all the Canadian teams. Out of the playoffs, we've wrapped it all up. Oh, the misery. While I'm saying this, the Florida Panthers are now up 2-0 on the New York Islanders in Game 2, eight minutes into the second period. Of course, uh, uh, the Islanders took Game 1 yesterday to go up one nothing in the series. We'll keep you updated on the NHL scores. Jack Michaels still ahead.
0: This is Oscar Clefbrom from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to The Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad.
2: Smith charging along a three-on-three for the Panthers back into the zone. open Jokinen out in front, and DeHaan tapped it away. Riley Smith was the intended target. Smith now out and for that shot, and he scores! A tic-tac-toe play of the Panthers take a 2-0 lead.
1: And the score remains 2-0. Bukestad's first of the playoffs. Riley Smith has his third. Panthers up uh, 2-1, 2-0 on the Isles. About halfway through the game. Lightning leading the Red Wings 2-1. Late second period. No score. Hawks and Blues after one. Predators and Ducks still to come. The Blue Jays trailing the Red Sox 4-1 in the bottom of the fifth. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630 Chet. Man. It used to be earlier in my career, somehow I would just never sneeze. I would never have to sneeze when the microphone was on, Hmm. but I think now it's become such a routine part of my day in my life, and I'm on for three hours a day, that now my body's just like, well, this is not a time to suppress a sneeze, and I just all of a sudden have to sneeze.
0: Well, I get really bad springtime allergies, Reed, so April, May, and June, it's just a sneeze factory for me, so I'm used to it. A sneeze factory. A sneeze factory, yes. Tell him the sneeze factory, yeah. Kennedy. Mucus, that could be your, mucus is happening, everybody, that, and it is real.
1: That could be your wrestling name. <laughs> Tell it's him sneeze the sneeze factory. factory and your finishing move could be that you sneeze on a guy and knock him out. Or a nose job. What? What? Is that a real thing? <laughs>
0: make it like a DDT, drop them on, your,
1: on their head or something. Call it the nose job. Oh, okay. Yeah. I got gotcha. you. There you go. The <laughs> sneeze, nose job. Nah. <laughs> this is Inside Sports on 630 Chad Jack Michaels is up after the 7 o'clock news. Jack has just tweeted a picture of him curling. I don't know if this is happening now, and he's going to be joining us from a curling rink, or if he curled earlier in the day. Hmm. But Jack, born in Pennsylvania, spent most of his career... I shouldn't say south of the border because he did work in Alaska. Most of his career in the United States, obviously. Okay. Yep. I, apparently, this was his first time curling. Hmm. Now, I have not curled much. I, I, when I lived in Lloyd Minster, I think I was in a couple of Bonspiels. Yeah, fun I've... sport. Oh, it's yeah. extremely difficult to get good at. Yeah, I
0: curled in high school for a couple of years.
1: It's, Competitively?
0: It's, uh, intramurally. So in between uh, classes, th- we had different classes set up at our high school and that stuff. So uh, so you took curling as for credits? Uh, It was part of our, uh, like, the the expanded uh, physical education stuff. Like, in in Alberta, I'm not sure if it's still the same or not, but you needed your grade 10 PE to get your high school diploma, right? But they also, for an option, you could take, uh, like, a a 20 PE and a
1: 30 PE uh, to you know as options right i don't think they have that anymore in alberta i think with the budget yesterday high school was eliminated <laughs> that's there's, it there's we, no are, we no are all in grade 10, 9 20 now. 30 anything oh, you just wow. go to grade 9 and that you're done but anyway that was part of the
0: uh curriculum was curling so
1: all right hey we had mike riley on the show last night you can get that by uh, going to the inside sports page on 630ched.com or by signing up for the inside sports podcast the new three-year contract for Riley it'll take to take him to the end of the 2018 season and uh, I asked him about th- the offense maybe you know being a little slow to start games and if they need to work on that this year
3: yeah we were a great football team last year uh, we didn't have a lot of downfalls but uh, that was one of them there's no doubt about it we did not start games very well uh, we we finished games better than probably any other team in the league um, but that was Sometimes out of necessity, because we had dug ourselves into such a big hole by playing poorly at the beginning of football games, and, and that's something that uh, we were aware of, um, and that we certainly are still aware of, um, that needs to change. You know, you can't you can't make your living you know winning games in the fourth quarter. It's going to catch up to you at some point in time. So, um, you know, we we definitely have a focus where we need to be better early in football games. Um, you know we want to continue to finish strong, just as we have in the past, but yeah, I think you're absolutely right there's there's an opportunity there for us to improve um and that's one of the big ways to do it is to come out and and play better early in the football game and and as you said, kind of assert ourselves um and and not let teams feel like okay, uh we're going to take this down to the wire and see how it goes we We want to start having the ability to put games away early um, and, and get a big lead on the scoreboard. We're capable of doing it. We just we didn't execute that very well last year.
1: Your quarterback, Mike Riley, joined us on Inside Sports last night shortly after the new contract was announced. The Eskimo show with Morley Scott is coming up on Sunday at 4. In the next hour, living the dream with Jeremy Behrens from the Huntsville Havoc of the Southern Professional Hockey League. Jeremy's season, 30 fights, 275 penalty minutes so far. Jack Michaels, curling sensation. Will join us after the 7 o'clock news for a little Oilers chat, a little more on Benoit Pouliot. Of course, Jack believed he was going to lead the team in goal scoring this past season. Didn't happen. Pouliot could be an important part of the club moving forward. Coming up to the 7 o'clock news, Reid Wilkins with you. Talk to you in a few minutes.